0: Sharp,
1: pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. But the
2: choice could not be more clear Democrats produce mobs, Republicans produce jobs. Dude.
0: Well, we don't know because we have not talked to anybody who is in the room yet. And we want to ask uh, Mr. Rosenstein about the information we have garnered.
2: The Democrats don't like being called an angry mob, but really, that's what they've become. They've gone so far left, they can't even believe that they're over there. They don't know what's going on. When you listen to Eric Holder talking about kicking. They go low, we kick. Or Hillary Clinton saying what she said, which was so horrible. You cannot be civil. They just don't see it. Maxine Waters constantly, day in and day out, ranting and raving. and you, push back on them, and you tell them they're not welcome. They're losing it, and they shouldn't be. We should be a unified country.
3: It'll happen someday.
2: And now,
1: Stacey Washington.
3: Welcome back to the program. Yeah, we we know it will. It will. I, I believe we still have some unity left in this country that we can we can pull from, that we can actually look forward to a more unified time. And we've seen numerous times in the history of this country where the Democrats have become unhinged, and they have been paid back. Vociferously at the ballot box by Americans who've said, "Look, you know, I can't, I can't get down with that." And it doesn't mean that Americans necessarily disagreed with everything that the Democrats were doing or their policies. But what are their policies right now? Besides Medicare for all and this idea that um, any person who is alive on the face of the planet who wants to space here in America is owed one by the rest of us, what are their policies? Oh, they don't want to end pre-existing conditions. They still love Obamacare. But they can't talk about our position abroad. Everything they said, they said that the world would literally come to an end if we ended net neutrality. I'm still here. So, so are you. They said that we would no longer be able to function as a, quote unquote, democracy, knowing this is a representative republic, if we didn't stay in the Paris Climate Accord. Do you remember the brouhaha over that? This country was literally going to burn into the ground. It was going to be like a big, huge, gaping crater. Nothing like that has happened. Everything's fine. If he does tariffs, if Trump puts tariffs in, this country's over. The tariffs are in place. The Chinese are dealing with it. They're actually bending to our will slowly, but they're coming around. Other countries have figured out ways To create trade agreements with the United States that are much more balanced and are in line with the Trump doctrine, and we're all still alive. We were also told that if President Trump was elected, he would do away with women and blacks and the entire LGBT community. Everybody's still here, still doing what they were doing before. Some people are doing even less. Meanwhile, the economy is roaring, and Americans understand that the prerequisite to that was the severe cutting of regulations and the tax reform package, of which we need more, by the way. I cannot fathom a world in which we're borrowing 40-plus cents on every dollar to fund government programs. Often they've expired a couple of decades ago, and we're still funding them because some pencil pusher refuses to simply sign at the bottom and say, complete, I can't fathom a world in which that exists where I pay the current level of taxes that I pay. And it's not about me not wanting to pay any tax or that we not feeling that, you know, the the government doesn't need to be there. We do need a functioning federal government. And all of us should have a responsibility to pay a certain percentage in tax to fund our government. But our government is running amok and they're borrowing money for things that we don't need, like aid to South American countries, that's enriching the leaders of those countries while their citizens are all on a caravan coming up this way. This is a watershed moment. And when he says they've got uh, mobs and we've got jobs and they're the party of the caravan, these are the same types of slogans that ushered him into that historic win on that evening in November almost two years ago, in 2016. And it's going to happen again if everyone keeps singing the same old dance, same old tune and dancing the same old dance. We're going to see this something similar in November again. So I'm not saying that people should, uh, you know, sit back on their heels, everything's fine. No, we need to be not, instead of being on our heels, we should be On our knees praying for this country and praying for wisdom to come into both houses of Congress and for elected officials and those who are in appointments and uh, career, you know, career service employees and the federal government would all come to know Jesus Christ and that they would be at a minimum spurred on to be honest in their dealings. We don't. We don't know what people are going to do. Um, you can never tell what a person is going to do. You can go by their past history, but you don't. You have no certainty that a person is going to behave in a certain way. But what we do know is that government has gotten too large, and they feel they're over us. They don't respect people in the middle of the country in the heartland, like where I'm broadcasting from. They they think people in the South aren't intelligent enough to make decisions for themselves, and it's only the coasts, and specifically the extremes, the Northeast. And the far west, those are the areas of the country that matter and should be the decision makers and that that California should be our our uh, you know something we aspire to that is garbage and i'm I for one am tired of people who believe that kind of stuff, having so much influence over what we do in our day to day lives. We need less government interference, and we need less government. But what the government is mandated to do is to protect our national sovereignty and to maintain our borders. We should have more of that. A reorienting of the priorities. That is what is needed here. So in yet another example of Democrats in charge, and I, th- I thought this was so telling because I mean, like, who has time to go campaign when you have a problem with Homelessness that's so bad that you're looking at a possible typhoid outbreak. So it's Jake Tapper. And he's got a guest on. His name's Mayor Garcetti. And he's the mayor of Los Angeles. Now, remember when Los Angeles was one of the places in the movies where every movie had a shot from Los Angeles? Some character in the movie would have to travel to Los Angeles and you got to see the beautiful people walking up and down the streets of Rodeo Drive. And it was just like this mystique that surrounded Los Angeles. Well, how far have they fallen? Pretty far. Mayor Garcetti is out campaigning against the president of the United States. And campaigning just basically he's out on the campaign trail. And L.A. is suffering from a homelessness crisis. So, you know, Jake Tapper will often, you know, hit the mark with his questions. He's still on the left, but he appears to try. And so Jake Tapper is asking him why he's doing that. Um, And it's number four.
0: Let me ask you about your job as a mayor and specifically one of the biggest challenges you have. You were screamed at for four hours this week at a town hall on homelessness. Homelessness is nearly... Up 50 percent in your city since you became mayor, according to the LA Times. Now there's a typhus outbreak, likely due to the booming number of rats attracted by all the fu- food and human waste. It's in Skid Row and other places. Um, some yeah. critics might say, "Hey, Mayor Garcetti, why are you traveling the country campaigning for Democrats in the midterms when you have this huge crisis in your own backyard?" Um, and
3: then, isn't that a good question? So what what could he do to address the homelessness there? Well, the first thing he could do is take away the restrictions on building new developments in Los Angeles, and you're probably thinking, well, why would he do that 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 hurts the environment. What hurts the environment more? A typhus outbreak or b- allowing them to build taller buildings so they can have more apartments and then instead of having um, you know the the limited number of apartments drives higher prices, which means that people who would normally be able to afford, say, a 500 or $700 a month apartment, they would get a roommate and they would be able to afford it. They would be living in in an apartment. They'd have utilities. They There would be, be not living large by Midwestern standards. They would not have a single family home on a quarter or a third of an acre, but they would definitely have a warm place to sleep at night, safe place that they could lock their door. They'd have, you know, possibly a roommate or even two roommates but they would be able to manage their monthly obligations and they'd be living off of the streets. They would be functioning in our society. But the alternative is that you continue to bow down to the idol of the environment. And, and I'm telling you, that's exactly what it is. And so people who aren't Christians, well, there she goes again with the Christian. Well, you know what? Yes, there I go again, because you find that the Bible is true and it applies whether the circumstances are full of Christians or full of non-believers. The fact is, if you're bowing down to the idol of the environment and preserving something for the environment instead of letting people live indoors, then, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call you out on that idolatry. And whether or not you acknowledge that it's idolatry, it is. It's idolatry. And it's separating you from, you know, you, you can't be worshiping God and idols at the same time. There's only one of those that you're truly worshiping. And that's who your master is. And Garcetti's master, along with those who run the government there in Los Angeles and California at large, are those who feel that if we build another highway, that would damage the environment. So people just need to sit on the highway for hours and hours and hours. And if there's a wildfire, they just can't get out of their, their community. They need to leave earlier. As soon as they hear there's a wildfire, they need to evacuate. Don't wait on the evacuation order because you know you won't be able to get down that highway. That's what they believe. In fact, doesn't that sound similar to what? Nancy Pelosi said about the collateral damage. Well, if we're going to protect the environment, there may be some collateral damage. There may be some people who die uh, because they can't get out of their communities because we only have one highway, but we've got to protect the environment. The environment's got to outlive us. It's got to be there. Like we can really, you know, one extra highway is going to destroy the environment. Allowing Los Angeles to have buildings that are taller than a certain number of stories, that's going to totally destroy the environment. Worse than having people literally using the bathroom outside and rats and whatnot just running amok. We don't have the people who can think from point A, you know, homeless people in mass living camped out in areas. No trash removal leads to food and fecal matter being outdoors, which leads to an increase in rats, which leads to outbreaks of communicable diseases that we eradicated. I mean, just... It's been so long, we don't even have the ability to cope with an outbreak like that. Our public health services are not set up to deal with medieval-type outbreaks. We've gotten past it. There's no point in storing medications for that and remedies for that kind of stuff when you don't have those kinds of outbreaks anymore. And so you can draw a natural conclusion, a straight line back from, we're having typhus outbreaks here. Who's in charge? Oh, it's this Democrat who's out campaigning. He thinks he might want to be president. So he's out campaigning for his next job when the job he's doing now is absolutely, it's the worst. He's the worst. The city is in a total state of just, it's crumbling and falling down. And he's, his, his response to that is, well, you know, I, but I, I'm ready for my next job. Collateral damage. That's who those people are. Remember, Nancy Pelosi said it, not me. I'm not putting words in her mouth. She said it herself. If some people get typhus or typhoid or whatever it is, whatever medieval disease it is, and, you know, some people get that and they die, well, we still ought to have Democrats in charge. Like Hillary Clinton said, there will be no civility until we are in charge. We need things to fail really badly. We don't have ideas. We're not running on anything except pre-existing conditions and opening up the border and letting in any old person. But, you know... We still need to be in charge before we're going to let you sit in a restaurant, Mitch McConnell, and eat your dinner. So then you've got this Fox News Sunday panel where they were talking about jobs versus mobs and caravan politics. And oh, there's the music. We'll listen to that in the third segment. It's uh, Newt Gingrich, and he had a really interesting comment. But right now, we're going to go to the break. And when we get back, we're going to have Brigitte Gabriel. She's an author, activist, and her website is risetoact.com. Stay right there. I'm not the only
0: Ingram of Redeem Clean felt God call him to support the American Family Association.
2: I'm a laundryman. I'm the son of a laundryman, too. I love clean clothes. I love the business. I love everything about it. This project was built exclusively to support AFA and AFR. There's no strings attached. Another thing that I would like to see come out of this is that I would like to see other business people feel a calling to support ministries wherever and whatever they do to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. In addition to
0: your regular AFA giving, Redeem Clean Laundry Detergent allows you to increase your support of AFA just by continuing to wash your family's clothes. For clean laundry and support of a cleaner society, it's Redeem Clean. Learn more, find options, and get Redeem Clean products at afastore.net. That's afastore.net. This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson. You know, after some of the political battles on Capitol Hill and after the political ads during the midterm elections, I think most of us would like a return to civility. Hillary Clinton explains when civility might once again become part of the political process. She told CNN, you can't be civil with a political party that wants to destroy what you stand for. And she concluded that if the Democrats were fortunate enough to win back the House and or the Senate, that's when civility can start again. Michael Barone made two observations about her comments. First, you can be civil even if you are convinced the other party is not. Don't say that you cannot be civil when what you really mean is you don't want to be civil. Second, her prescription for civility essentially is this. Just let Democrats win the elections and then Republican senators and their wives can eat dinner in restaurants without being forced out by jeering crowds. Michael Goodwin expressed alarm at Hillary Clinton's comments and wondered why there wasn't any significant outrage or response to her comments. He says Clinton knows we're already in the danger zone when it comes to the political temperature. Her comments then are as reckless as bringing a can of gasoline to a bonfire. One other anomaly is also worth mentioning. Not only is there little outrage about the comments by Hillary Clinton, Maxine Waters, and others, but there also seems to be a deliberate attempt to prevent anyone from using the word mob to describe the menacing actions by progressives. David French details a number of times just on CNN when guest commentators were told not to describe these actions as mob behavior. Not only can we not expect civility anytime soon, but we cannot even use appropriate words to describe incivility. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my point of view. From GraceWorks
1: Pictures, Indivisible, based on the true story of Army Chaplain Darren Turner and his wife Heather. Rated PG-13. Opens October 26th. IndivisibleMovie.com You can watch a live stream of the show on Facebook or YouTube at Stacy on the Right. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk.
3: Oh, so glad to be back with you. Even though I have this teensy-weensy little cold going on, I'm feeling so much better than I was over the weekend. And even with the cold, I was so grateful to have some time off and to just get to unplug. And I was kind of shocked when I came back to uh, on Sunday evening and I was doing a little bit of just, you know, research and looking online. And I saw that there the caravan had not only not been stopped by the Mexican Police force and military, but that they had overrun them and picked up a bunch of Mexicans along the way, and that they had swelled to possibly seven to ten thousand people. I was really shocked to see that, and so that is why our next guest joining us today is so important because we know that ISIS and other terror groups love to embed their troops in illegal immigrants from south of the border because it is the weakest, um, the weakest entry point it's the easiest place to gain access to the country because if you can't get in with a visa if you come from a country that's on the travel ban or if you just don't have any way of getting in coming in through the southern border is an easy fix so uh, it's my pleasure to welcome Brigitte Gabriel author activist and her website is risetoact.com her new book rise it, it, she's arming readers with details she learned over a lifetime about terrorism and I'm so glad to have you here Brigitte. thank you for joining us uh, thank
4: you, Stacy. I'm delighted to be back with you.
3: So listen, I'm really concerned that this migrant caravan is a bunch of people who really just want to live in the United States and some terrorists.
4: Well, look, there is no way we can vet or even speak for sure uh, who is in this caravan, what's their background, how many criminals, how many terrorists. How many ISIS sympathizers? How many Iran agents who are embedded with this? We know that Iran has operation centers within Latin America. This is nothing new. Allah has been operating in the tri-state in Central America for decades, not years, decades set up by Iran. We know that we have already been arresting Hezbollah members who are coming through the border. Uh, I discussed that in my book, Rise. You know, our our government calls them OTM, other than Mexicans. So when you hear pundits talking on television about the OTMs uh, crossing through the border, that's what they are referring to. So right now, with us dealing, but we are dealing with Iran, we know without a doubt that they are uh, 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 some refugees, some uh, uh, terrorists, or terrorist sympathizers posing as refugees within this caravan trying to enter the United States. And here is the scary part, Stacy. We know in the past that refugees have smuggled, uh, that, that terrorists smuggled within refugee population have carried terrorist attacks, whether here in the United States or uh, in Europe. When you look at Europe, for example, uh, in the last just couple of years because of all the refugees that have come from Syria into Europe. You know, the whole over one million people came to Germany, uh, Sweden, France, Belgium. When you look at the Brussels attack uh, that were carried out in 2016, they were carried out by fake refugees who came into Europe as refugees. Um, The train shooting between Amsterdam and Paris was done by a fake refugee. The Berlin Christmas market, remember last year, the car Mm -hmm. mowing down people Mm -hmm. uh, in the Christmas market in Berlin was carried out by a Tunisian asylum seeker uh, in uh, in 2016. I can go on and on, the the, the, uh, Ariana Grande concert in Paris was carried on by a son of a refugee. So we need to be very careful about who we're letting into our country and why, and this caravan must be stopped at all costs.
3: Uh, so how? How does it get done? Because I'm I'm an Air Force veteran, and Rajit, I know we have the military manpower, the hardware, the skill, the know-how. We can stop anything anywhere across the globe. We can scramble an aircraft to any location on this planet in under 19 minutes. What is the reason why we're even allowing the caravan to move through Mexico?
4: Well, here's the thing. You can't bomb the caravan as it's moving through Mexico. You cannot carry a, a, a political force. But at least we have a president who is very clear in his messaging and very clear in his communicating, uh, communicating either with our enemies or with our allies to try to deal with them. We could not have asked for a better president at this time. And President Trump is not a politician. He will do what is necessary to make sure he enforces law and order. And this is exactly what he is doing with, with, with these countries. He is telling Guatemala and these countries, okay, we're going to cut to aid all this money that we give you guys because we're nice people. We're going to cut that aid next year coming your way if this is how you're going to treat us. I mean, he came out and said that. And believe me, and they know that he will carry through with that. He's telling Mexico the same thing. And he will deploy forces to the border to stop these refugees from coming in or, or, you know, these asylum seekers or whatever. Uh, We are doing everything we can, and he is doing everything he can. And you know the best thing the American public can do? Go out and vote this November. Your vote matters. This is exactly why we need to put in office or keep in office uh, people who support the president's agenda in securing America, building the wall, tightening our country, vetting refugees, controlling our immigration system, stopping visa lottery, etc., etc., And this whole caravan could not have come at a better time because it's lighting a fire under people who care, our boor- care about our borders and care about our country to get off the couch and pledge to go to
3: vote. Okay, and so you make a fantastic point, Brigitte, which is, you know, there's there's really only two camps. There's the caravan camp, and then there's the people who want to see our borders sealed up because it it's best that we, you know, are able to do as we do at home, lock our doors at night. We don't lock our doors at home at night because we hate everyone outside of our house. It's because we love the people inside. We lock the doors just in case. It's just a precautionary measure, but it's a good one because you can sleep better knowing that all of the doors are locked and you're safely ensconced in your home for the evening. And so what we are looking for is the we're looking for Congress to support the measures the president is proposing, which is, you know, that we might actually have to close our border with Mexico for a while in order to stop this. Um, Do you see them supporting him on that?
4: Well, this is why we need to elect officials who are going to support him uh, because, look, this is a wake-up call to the Republican Party. This is a wake-up call to conservative and anybody who loves this country. After the Kavanaugh and after the caravan, America, America's future is on the ballot this coming uh, in November, Stacy, We're either going to vote for an America where you are guilty until proven innocent, or we're going to vote for an America where you are innocent until proven guilty. We're either going to vote for an America that is safe and secure. When you walk down the street, you don't have to worry about your daughter being shot and dying in your own arm, uh, like what we have seen before. You don't have to worry about your children walking from college and being uh, 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 assaulted by MS-13 gang members and killing you. We are going to vote for a country that will be protected with a president who's going to protect the country. And that's where we are. You know, in my new book, Rise, uh, my new book Rise just came out a few weeks ago. I have a whole chapter titled Terror at the Gate where I talk about what's happening with all these people trying to get into our country and what we are imp- into the country. In the U.S. alone, no less than 10 terror plots and attacks were carried out by terrorists who entered the country as refugee, Stacey, most notably the Sarniav brothers from Boston. Remember, they came yes. in as refugees. They this did. also includes Saipa, the uh, the uh, 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 refugees, uh, refugee from Uzbekistan who mowed down people exactly one year ago on a New York subway, on a New York sideway uh, last year, exactly last October. So, again, another refugee we brought into the country. How long are we going to put our people's lives in danger and on the line, killing our own innocent people to accommodate criminals and thugs and people that hate us who are trying to come into our country? Now is the time to stop them, and now is the time to do anything we can to support the president. And I encourage people, if you care about what's happening in the country— Get my book, Rise, Rise, in Defense of Judeo-Christian Values and freedom, so you can understand what we are dealing with and why we must secure our borders.
3: So, Brigitte, I've just posted that on Facebook and on the the live stream on YouTube so people can follow the link and purchase your book. Um, I think it's important for us to understand how this came to be, because when you talk about, like when you, you're, you're running down all of the different terror attacks, and you talked about ones in Europe, and then you talked about ones here in the United States, we didn't used to have regularly scheduled terror attacks in the United States. We didn't used to have people coming here and blowing up marathons and nightclubs, et cetera, et cetera. Occasionally, we would have an act of terrorism, but not as frequently as we have had since President Obama was in office. Do you connect those two things? Because he was very lax on our foreign policy.
4: Absolutely, Stacey. Exactly. And this is why we are seeing this uh, rapid expansion of, of people trying to come into the United States from all over. Look, it was bad under Bush. It was bad under Clinton, but it got really horrible under Obama. The word is out. The whole world knows if you want to come to the United States, all you have to do is get to Mexico, and from Mexico, you're going to come to the United States. At the Mexican embassy in Beirut, remember, I uh, originally I was born and raised in Lebanon, I was talking to friends of mine, there was an employee at the at Mexican embassy in Beirut selling visas to Mexico for $3,000 a visa, because people know if you get to Mexico, you can literally waltz your way into the United States. People are not dumb. The word is out, and that 's why we must protect our borders
3: so uh, this this is what i've been saying, and what i'm what I get back is well it's really it's uh you know it's it's Jewish people that want you to hate to love Israel and hate Muslims or uh, this isn't this isn't anything to do with terrorism it 's about uh white people not wanting the country to become more brown and i i honestly i find those those arguments to be so ridiculous they're not really worth me answering but you kind of have to answer them because these kinds of ridiculous nonsensical brain dead arguments are actually infiltrating out and people in regular land you know are starting to pick these arguments up and say well maybe they really don't want people coming here because the people who are coming are brown does this have anything to do with ethnic background or or any of that? or Or is this really about safety and connecting the fact that terrorists want to enter through our most porous entry point?
4: This has nothing to do with color. This has to do with character. This has to do with securing the nation. Look, I am an immigrant from the Middle East. I came here legally. I have brown skin, my mother tongue is Arabic, I am originally Middle Eastern, but I am an American, and the day I decided I, to become an American, I pledged my loyalty to the United States, I stood in the courthouse, like so many people who do these ceremonies every single day, raised my hand and said, I pledge allegiance to the United States, forsaken all loyalty to any other country previously that I owned any passport to, and now I have only a, an American passport. These are the type of immigrants we need to bring into the country. I have never, not one day I've been in this country since 1989 that I felt discriminated against because of my skin color. People come to this country, and in America you can prove yourself to go up as high as you want, as, as much as you want, because it all depends on your character and how hard you work. What we are seeing right now is we are seeing people coming into our country who are breaking the law to get here, who have no regard for our laws, no regard to our process. Look, if people want to come here because they are uh, uh, claiming political asylum, they can go to a port of entry and, uh, and, and ask for political asylum. They can go to the embassies and ask for refugee status. But they are bypassing all that. As a matter of fact, this caravans of 7,000 people coming into the United States, Tracy, are bypassing the U.N. refugee centers in Mexico. Instead of them going, stopping there, and going through the proper process to come to the United States, they are bypassing all that and marching straight past them coming to the United States. These are criminals who do not follow the law. And if they're not following the law to get into our country, how do we expect them to follow the law when they are inside our country?
3: Well, I, I'm, I'm kind of, in some ways, Brigitte, I'm, I'm glad it's happening because the caravans have actually, this is so a lot of Americans are kind of waking up to the fact that there are these caravans, which are really invasions, Um, that they're coming to this by this idea that, you know, this is the first time it's happening. But it has been, a, it's happened every year, and sometimes it's only 800 people, sometimes it's 1,200 people, but they get into these groups and they travel up here from Guatemala and Honduras, et cetera. And they come right through Mexico, and Mexico usually doesn't provide any kind of resistance. So this larger caravan is really a symptom of a problem that we've allowed to grow to this size. It's, it's our fault. The first time we allowed a caravan of people to arrive and enter the United States and claim asylum, we basically said any size caravan can come, and now we're reaping that. Um, I want to be very, very clear that I'm for legal immigration by a merit system under controlled circumstances set by us, but that I'm utterly against this other system. And so as we go out, we have about a minute left. I want to give you a chance to wrap it up, um, connecting it to your book or whatever you feel that you need to say for the remainder of the interview. We have about a minute left.
4: I wrote my book, Rise, and I titled it Rise in defense of Judeo-Christian values and freedom, because I see what's happening throughout the country, and I, I foresaw this happening, and this is exactly why it is important for every single person to be mobilized, to be activated. This book is a road map as to what you can do to make a difference for the country. In every chapter, I have a section at the end titled, Rise Up and Act, where I give you ideas and tips as to what you can do to make a difference for the country. Three Things you can do under 10 minutes and you can do them while sipping your cup of coffee in the morning in your pajamas. The country right now is standing on a cliff. We're either going to lose America or we're going to save America. And it is now our time in our history to make sure we make a difference for the country. And now is our time. I urge you to get the book. Go to Barnes & Noble's Walmart, Sam's Club, and make sure you get this book. And not only order a copy for yourself, but put it in your local library. But buy four books, one for you, and three to donate to a local library. And let's mobilize the nation together.
3: I'm, I'm with you because all of the libraries don't carry enough copies of these books. Often there's a long waiting list if you want to check out a conservative book because people put their name on the list and as soon as it comes in, someone else gets it. Donating to the Where library is They get is it and they hide
4: in. it because they don't want you to read it. So you have yeah. lefties going to libraries, checking out a book and keeping it with them for you know months and months and months because they don't want anybody else to read it. So the more copies donated to a library, the better. Let them have 10 copies donated in each library. So when somebody checks... A book or they check out five, they cannot check out five of the same book. We need to make
3: sure there are always books there that people can check out and read. Absolutely, I love that idea. Brigitte Gabriel, her new book is Rise Risetoact.com is the website. Thank you for joining us today. Speak to you again soon. Thank you, my friend. Bye bye. All right, bye bye. We'll be back with more right after this. Stay there. This is Just a Minute with Stacey Washington. Romans 13 line exhorts believers to honor the governing authorities, which means at a minimum, believers are to do three things. First, research the candidates and issues from the biblical worldview. Any issue that stands against God's word must be considered in the light of eternity. That means voting based upon the facts as they stand, not our emotions. Second, make voting a priority. Not voting does not absolve us of what our government does as taxpayers, we are contributing to every decision that is made. In the Bible, God never looks at the outer man. It is the heart that matters to him. And we are all his creation, but we are fallen. If we use the bad behaviors of some to justify disobeying God's word in the voting booth, we are no better than those who have sinned against us. Third, pray for guidance. God is not a man that he should lie, and it is never his will that we should condone or excuse sin. I'm Stacy Washington. Find out more at stacyontheright.com. Family
5: is an institution set forth by God, one man and one woman for life, with the outflow being children produced by that union. It's obvious to all that there is an attack on the family in our country, and especially on fathers. Whether it's the cycle of sin that persists in our families or the pressure from our government to exclude men from being intimately involved, the strategic battle is on for the souls of men. Join us in the battle to strengthen fatherhood, Urban Family Talk,
1: Just as David's mighty man, Benaiah, chased down a lion into a pit on a snowy day, Lion Chasers champions uncommon men and women of faith who are unafraid to stand up and speak truth to power in these dark and evil days. Never before has there been such a need for people of faith to draw a line in the sand with a sword of truth. Lion Chasers, the intersection of faith and public policy with Lonnie Poindexter. Weekday mornings at 10 central on Urban Family talk. Donald
5: Trump's America. For now, President Trump still calls Saudi Arabia a U.S. ally, but questions its explanation of journalist Jamal Khashoggi's death. GOP Senator Rand Paul was a bit more blunt on Fox News Sunday.
0: It's insulting to anyone who's in analyzing this with any kind of intelligent background to think that, oh, a fistfight led to a dismemberment with a bone saw.
5: Some are calling for a closer look at the U.S.-Saudi relationship, even the president's financial ties. But GOP House member Peter King said on ABC's This Week, hold on.
1: We have to take action. Let's not be questioning the motives
5: of our president right now. Meanwhile, the president is opting to end a treaty with Russia, limiting ground-fired medium-range missiles. GOP Senator Lindsey Graham backed the president on Fox's Sunday Morning Futures. When
0: it comes to Russia, let's get out of a bad deal and get a better one.
5: Graham is heading out on the campaign trail to boost Republican candidates with the important midterm elections coming in about two weeks. Gernal Scott. Fox News.
1: Welcome back to Stacey on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk.
2: Well, normally I would say that's not a good idea. But I think in this environment, with this president, it's the only the only way he can campaign. Uh, he's, he's that big a force. He's that big a presence. And the truth is, he is mobilizing his base. And he's giving the markets. I mean, when they say, look, this is jobs versus mobs. There are forty million people who pick that up and at coffee the next morning use it. When he says this is about Kavanaugh and the campaign and and the caravans. The truth is from election night 2016 on, this country has been in a national fight over who's gonna run the country. And I think that the Kavanaugh event was really historically important because it both galvanized the right but also it reminded everyone this is a team sport. You know, you tester's not a moderate. Tester's gonna vote for Schumer. And you'll write down the list of every red state Democrat, and they can get up and say, I'm really different. And the only question you have to ask them is, you want to vote for Schumer?
3: Welcome back to the program. I'm... I'm absolutely, um, a little in shock because I was just checking through my email over the break and I have this email from someone who says during the last segment, I think before we had the, we had our guest on, I was talking about Mexicans coming from, uh, joining into the caravan and joining the pro that they join the caravan and they're like, you know, they're not sure, uh, that they would tr- try to illegally immigrate into the United States. But then when the caravan came through, they're adding into the caravan and they're joining in to come to the U.S. And I said, they don't even like being citizens of Mexico. Now, I, I, I don't believe I said Mexicans don't like being Mexicans. If I said that, my intent was to say that I, I don't believe Mexicans like being citizens of the country of Mexico. And the reason I say that is because when Mexican people come to the United States... Just, just think of it. You have 30 million people here in the country illegally who are Mexican citizens. They readily send money back to Mexico, but they don't go back themselves. If you were threatened with deportation, you're told you have to leave this country or you might be subject to criminal prosecution, what if you just had, I don't know, maybe 10,000, not 10 million, 10,000 Mexicans travel back to Mexico to try to improve their country and fix the problems that are causing so many of them to want to come here? But you don't see that, do you? They come here illegally, stay in the country illegally, use American tax dollars, cost us $132 billion a year in all of the costs that are associated with having illegal immigration in this country. It varies by state, but it's multiple billions of dollars a year totaling $132 billion a year. And we don't see anyone saying, you know what, instead of forming La Raza, we need to form a group to go back to Mexico to reform our country. We need to make Mexico more like the United States so that we don't have to live in the United States illegally. But we don't see that. And that's why I say it. So the comparison that somehow um, saying that Mexicans don't like being from Mexico, that they don't like their home country, and that's somehow like saying blacks don't like being black or blacks hate themselves because of high crime or high incarceration rates, first of all, that doesn't compute. And second of all, since, since I was asked to address this, I'll address it now, I don't take my statement back because I'm a taxpayer and I'm currently paying for the illegal immigration. I'm paying for part of that $132 billion a year in costs that Americans on the large are taking care of. So it's not about not liking Mexicans or not seeing them as people created in the image of God. Of course they are. Every person is. So are criminals. All human beings are humans and created in the image of God. Do I have to make positive, kind statements about them when I'm talking about a caravan of 7,000 people who plan to invade our country at the southern border? They plan to physically and forcibly enter this country, which is an invasion. So I would say the same thing about them, whether they were from Honduras or Guatemala or Mexico, or if they were from uh, Norway or Canada, if 7,000 people were trying to enter our northern border from Canada, do you think I would be worried about whether or not they liked Canada? I would say they don't like Canada. That's what I'd say, that they hate it. They're not proud of their Canadian heritage, and they want to come into America because it's better here. And so, you know, what I'm actually really taken back by is that instead of addressing the major issue, which is these people, 7,000 of them, possibly 10,000 by the time they actually reach the border— that they're trying to invade our country, instead of addressing that, I've, I've got this this push to say nice things. To you have to say nice things about them. You have to th- th- where they come from, their families, their ancestors. No, I don't. I don't have to say anything that I don't want to say about them, except that they should not be planning to invade America. And so, you know, if you don't like what I said about them. That's just one of many different things that you're probably going to hear that you don't like listening to this program because no one agrees with anyone else 100% of the time. But what I want to know from you is why you're not more concerned about the 7,000 people who are planning to invade this country. A few words from me in comparison to 7,000 people, many of them, we don't even know where they're from really. They already have a problem, as Brigitte Gabriel just said during her interview, with Al Qaeda having centers down in South America where they train people and then send them to infiltrate these caravans. So instead of worrying about what I said, that doesn't sound like it tickles your ears, it doesn't give you warm and fuzzies. Why aren't you worried about the illegal immigrants coming here? And this is this is a problem that Democrats have a lot. This is a problem that some conservatives have because they believe that if you say the word refugee, refugee. Well, biblically, we have to let you in. We have to allow you to come into our country because we have to take care of refugees, which is, that's not a biblical mandate at all. We are not mandated to take every single person on the face of this planet who says the word refugee into our country. We are not mandated to do that. That's not biblical. It doesn't make any sense, so stop saying it. So what I really want to know from people who are worried about so-called heritage and how people feel when I say something about how they don't love Mexico but do you love America? Do you actually want fewer Kate Steinleys? Do you want less children? 2,000 a year kidnapped? Remember those numbers I gave you? The breakdown? 1,800 2,000, I think it was 2,500 rapes, 1,800 kidnappings every single year those are done by illegal immigrants While you're sitting up parsing my words and figuring out if I was kind or nice about their ancestors and their heritage, which I could actually give two zero thoughts about. I've got nothing to think about anybody's heritage. I just don't care. Your heritage may be fascinating and worthy of having a book written about it, or it might just be the same old rigmarole like everybody else. You had two parents, they had two parents, and so on and so forth. People got married, they had kids. Boom, here you are. I don't care. I don't care what your heritage is. If you come from such an amazing heritage, won't you take yourself back to that heritage and stay there? Conditions in your country aren't awesome. How about doing something about it? This is what self-governance is all about. The idea that we are your parents here in America and we need to say nice things about your heritage, say nice things about your country that is allowing you to just run ramshod from there to here and invade our country. I don't have to say anything nice about that. There is nothing nice to say about that. So this isn't about me being mad or that, that people don't have value. Of course they have value. The question is, do we want to take these extraordinarily valuable people who are proud of their Mexican, Guatemalan, Venezuelan, Honduran heritage, And their ancestors that love their people, that love the ground that they grew up on, the people with the varied historical backgrounds and fantastic looks, beautiful hair, nails and skin, utmost taste and sense of fashionability in their clothing choices. Do we want these beautiful, wonderful, homeless, poor people to invade our country in numbers of seven to 10,000 or do we want them deported back to their home country? You see how that doesn't make any difference? Because the big deal here is not what I say about them in flower language. What I said about them is true. The problem is that they're planning on invading America. So, you know, this is the kind of discussion that's for grown-ups. It's for serious people. It is for serious people. If you're only concerned about what the ancestors, who, by the way, those, that means they're dead. So they can't possibly have any thoughts about what I'm saying about them. If that's your primary concern, then you're not grown up enough to have this chat. And so, therefore, and, and, you know, God bless you, you too are made in the image of Christ and you are valuable and God loves you too, but you're not ready for this conversation. Because what we're talking about here is individuals who are planning on invading America, not whether or not they're valuable or cute or wear great clothes or have fantastic ancestors. So, you know, I, I hope to goodness gracious that clears it up. You're not going to be emailing me and getting me to backtrack on what I said or 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 apologize for telling the truth about a situation like this. This invasion represents a loss of our southern border and it cannot be tolerated. There are no terms strong enough with which I can describe how of how important it is that we do not permit an invasionary force to breach our southern border as we have done apparently multiple times over the past four years. But it was one thing it was 800 people, 1,000 people, etc. Now it's an enormous number of people and it represents a real dividing line. Kind of like Obama's red lines, only this one's real. We have to stop it. And if that upsets you, you have other things that you need to work on. And I can't help you. Not only can I not help you, but I'm not here to help you. I'm not here to help people who can't understand that our southern border is an actual thing. It's not an imaginary line on a piece of paper. It is a dividing mark between our country, the United States of America, and the nation state of Mexico, and that we are not all one people group. We are not all one country. Yes, we are all children of God made in his image, but we are in individual countries, and that is a concept that was created in the Bible that God mandates individual sovereign nations That is a biblical concept. And if you're not on board with that, take it up with the scriptures, not with me. So now I wanna get back to the show. We had the Fox News Sunday panel, Jobs Versus Mobs. And it's Newt Gingrich, and he's talking about that. It's number five.
2: Well, normally I would say that's not a good idea. But I think in this environment, with this president, it's the the only way you can campaign. Uh, he's, he's that big a force. He's that big a presence, and the truth is, he is mobilizing his base, and he's giving the margins. I mean, when they say, "Look, this is jobs versus mobs," there are 40 million people who pick that up and at coffee the next morning use it. When he says this is about Kavanaugh, and the campaign, and, and, and the caravans, the truth is, from election night 2016 on, this country has been in a national fight over who's going to run the country, and. I think that the Kavanaugh event was really historically important because it both galvanized the right, but also it reminded everyone this is a team sport. You know, you, Tester's not a moderate. Tester's going to vote for Schumer. And you go right down the list of every red state Democrat and they can get up and say, I'm really different. And the only question you have to ask them is, you want to vote for Schumer?
3: And so... It really is going to boil down to, with this, with this story on the front burner, it's going to boil down to whether or not Americans are fine with having our southern border obliterated. And I'm not sure exactly how they're – like. obviously, the president has said he's going to end the foreign aid. But what does that do exactly if the foreign aid is ended? And I agree with it, end the foreign aid. But if you end the foreign aid at this point, how does that get those – despots who run these countries to get their people back from Mexico, the people who are marching north? How, how exactly do we expect them to get those? I saw that uh, one of the leadership in Mexico said that they would create an air bridge, in other words, um, aircraft to fly people back and forth to kind of help with the just the size of this so-called caravan invasion force. Unless you're flying people back to their home country, you know, one way, flying them from the caravan location back to their home country, how does that help the situation? And so apparently you had Mike Pompeo. He was also uh, in Mexico, and he was talking to the leader of Mexico about what, what could be done. And he kind of said, well, there's really nothing we can do. He started off sounding like he was on board. Further into his comments, which were translated, so I had to sit and listen to it. He's speaking, and then the translator translates. Further into the comments, he finally admitted, well, We don't really have the military or the police force to be able to handle a a group of this size. And honestly, I mean, we have a lot of police in the United States. I think we have a million, um, a billion interactions per year. But we don't have enough police in one location to handle 7,000 people suddenly rising up. If, and and this is just a, a tertiary aside, If the Trump rallies were really as violent as the left would have us to believe, then there would be violence at every single city where these Trump rallies were held. And the police would not be able to contain it because the police that show up to kind of just provide a little bit of extra crowd control during a Trump rally, it's not even 100 police officers. And you have sometimes 10,000, 15,000, 30,000 people in the case in Houston. There will be 100,000 people on site if these were 100,000 violent people. Houston would burn to the ground. It would literally be burned to the ground. If 20 or 30 Antifa protesters can cause $30 billion in property damage and a a college in California, then certainly 100,000 Trump supporters, if they were as violent, as angry as people say, they would burn the city of Houston to the ground. It would be literally like a war zone. Again. This isn't about how valuable Antifa members are, how valuable Trump supporters are, how valuable Hondurans and Venezuelans and, you know, people from south of the border are. It's about whether or not we want to let them invade our country. I say no. We'll be back with you tomorrow. God bless. Have a great night.